Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity's true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Do you have doubts? Do you doubt that Christianity is true? Do you doubt that God exists, especially in the face of evil? Do you doubt that a resurrection really did occur? Do you doubt that the essentials of Christianity are true? You sometimes wonder, well, if God really exists, why doesn't he just show up? Why do we have to spend all this time discovering arguments for God? I mean, if he truly does love us and wants us to be with him forever, wouldn't he make his presence more obvious? What about those that have never heard? Is that fair? What about the God of the Old Testament? How can we believe in a being like that? And if he does exist, why would we, why would we worship him? I mean, there are so many questions when it comes to the Christian faith that sometimes you might wake up and go, I don't even know if this stuff is true. Well, my friend and colleague, Dr. Bobby Conway has done a lot of thinking about that. He's had doubts himself. He's written a book called doubting toward faith. And he has a brand new online course starting October 8th called doubting toward faith as well. And He's my guest today. He's also the One Minute Apologist. You guys probably have seen him on the One Minute Apologist. Bobby, how are you? Doing you there, Frank? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, for yeah. a second I was doubting you were there. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you hear? You have faith enough to believe I, it, or what? I got faith, man. I got faith that now you're you're not only an apologist, but you're a pastor. Uh, you're about to get your PhD. You've got a THM from Dallas Theological Seminary. You've got a doctorate from Southern Evangelical Seminary. You're about, as I say, to get your PhD. You've written several books. You're the one-minute apologist. You're doing all these things, and yet you still sometimes have doubts. Why? Because I'm finite, and I think that in a world where we are left to our finitude as our only option, uh, we are overwhelmed at times by how incomprehensible the universe is, and we're left to our own limitations. And at times, these limitations can create angst for us, questions that we have to come to terms with that we know we'll never get the answer to. And so I just think part of the doubts that we can struggle with come uh, with being human beings that are finite in our nature. Yeah, I, I know that people who are not Christians sometimes doubt that what they believe is true. So as you write in the book, Doubting Toward Faith, you said doubt is not a Christian problem. It's a human problem. Uh, so no matter what we believe, right. we have doubts. So what were the kind of doubts that you had? Because you came to faith, Bobby, after um, a long battle that you've been very open about, a long battle with alcoholism. You actually came to faith, but yet you, then you still had doubts after that. So Give people a little bit of your story so they can kind of see where you're coming from. Sure. So I never heard the gospel till I was 19. I was looking to get two questions answered. Grew up in California, a big partier, uh, you know, uneducated. And a teammate of mine who I played college baseball with took me to hear an evangelist by the name of Greg Laurie. 
And I was trying to get the questions answered. What do I do with my guilt? And what's the purpose of my life? And Greg uh, talked about Jesus, and both of those questions were answered in Christ. But then depending upon which church you become a member of after that, you might get a short or a long list of other questions. And that can create lots of, uh, you know, tension for somebody. And for me, what ended up happening is I started to um, study and learn. I went to Bible college to understand Christianity. Then I worked on my theology degree at Dallas Seminary to understand the Bible. Then I did my apologetics degree to understand my theology and ended up in a philosophy degree to help me with my apologetics. And I found myself just grappling with questions and getting overwhelmed. Like every book I would read, I would learn, uh, you know, 10 more books that I needed to read. So the Mm. snowball of questions kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually I found myself uh, in a dark night of the soul that went on for probably several years. It was agonizing as a pastor, uh, as the woman at Apologist with a national platform. I found myself just really uh, struggling. I went to the elders at the church and told them about uh, what I was going through. And I told them, I don't want to have these questions. My brain's just manufacturing questions at a speed that I cannot track down the answers to fast enough. And so I had to renegotiate my faith stance and have had to figure out how do I live in a world with so many unanswered questions? And I was able to be brought through that by God's grace, by coming back to the way I entered into my Christian faith to begin with. And that is, I had to become like a little child. I had to remember that the church grew on loving God, loving people, and celebrating the gospel. The first book of the New Testament wasn't even written until AD 49 with Galatians. And so I had to just simplify this whole thing for a little bit and learn to enjoy learning while loving God. And as I went through this whole process, it was tough. I mean, there was a season where I didn't even want to be alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was completely uh, depressed, ended up on antidepressants uh, because of my doubts. I felt hopeless, but I was preaching by faith. Uh, And I also came to the conclusion that, you know, Christianity uh, is not uh, the only belief system that has doubts. Uh, rather, Christianity teaches us uh, what to do with our doubts, but doubt is a human problem. It's not a Christian problem. In the absence of certainty, there will always be room for doubt. The question is, which worldview best closes the doubt gap? And in this journey, I came to see that, look, if I walked out of Christianity into another faith, I began to think about all the questions that I would inherit. And I began to realize that I have to come to terms with my finitude and have a simple childlike faith and trust in God. And he brought me through that. And today I still have questions, but I don't have existential angst over them any longer by the grace of God. You know, it's interesting. uh, Last year we did a conference with Ravi Zacharias. And oh, by the way, uh, the conference with Ravi is coming to Charlotte, October 12th and 13th, the National uh, Conference on Christian Apologetics. And if you go, you guys go to ses.edu, SES stands for Southern Evangelical Seminary.edu. You can see it. You don't want to miss that conference. Anyway, we were doing a conference out in Nashville with Ravi, and he got a question 
And the question was, do you ever have doubts? And, and he said, well, I, I suppose everyone has doubts on occasion, but I don't really have as many doubts as I have questions. There's a difference between having questions and having doubts. And Jude, who wrote that little book in the New Testament called Jude, uh, says that we should be merciful to those who doubt and questions can cause you or even doubts can cause you to get answers. Did, did it do that for you, Bobby, that, that you, that you, it drove you to get answers, your doubts? It did. It, it drove it to pursue answers, but it also made me a lot more gracious person, mm. a lot more compassionate as a father. I, I've really tried to teach my kids, Hey, don't commit to your theological positions too quickly. I mean, you can get saved in a church on a, uh, a Wednesday night at a midweek service, so to speak, and then be at the membership class on Sunday and then just basically sign a creed saying, hey, I believe in all 24 of the church's doctrines. Mm-hmm. And you've never really had time to even think about that. And so I've told my kids, look, so many people uh, are setting their sel- themselves up for a future crisis uh, of faith because they commit to theological positions too quickly. So they read the left behind theories and they're just but then later down the road they have another theologian challenge it with a mid-trib or a post-trib and anytime we go from one set of beliefs to another set of beliefs when we doubt our pre-trib to become a post-trib let's say uh, we had to doubt our pre-trib through questioning to come to our (laughs) post-trib We're talking to Bobby Conway. His book is called Doubting Toward Faith, and his brand-new online course that you can take if you go to crossexamine.org is also called Doubting Toward Faith. It starts October 8th. You can be a part of it if you want. Check it out. I'm Frank Turk. We're back in two minutes with Bobby Conway. Don't go away. Thank you for listening to the Cross-Examine podcast. This material is made available to you for free by the contributions of listeners like you. If you wish to support future podcasts, just go to crossexamine.org and click on the Donate button or simply use the donate feature directly on our app. Thanks. Do you have doubts? Everybody has doubts. The question is, what do you do with them? Do they drive you to God or away from God? Do they drive you to get answers, or do they just drive you into despair? I'm talking to my friend Bobby Conway, who is going to be leading the new course, Doubting Toward Faith. In fact... Uh, this course, the unique thing about the courses we have, uh, if you uh, go to crossexamine.org, click on online courses, you'll see all these courses up there. Um, the unique thing about it is you get to talk to the authors of the books behind the course. Uh, you don't just watch a bunch of videos and then you fill out a bunch of tests and answer a bunch of questions. You actually interact with the people who are writing the material and videoing the material you talk to the authors themselves, and Bobby Conway will be online live with you and the other members of the class if you take the premium version of Doubting Toward Faith. And so you can ask him your own questions, your own personal doubts, your, your own issues. You can bring it up right to him and get an answer right away. So if you want to be a part of that, go to crossexamine.org, click on online courses. The course begins October 8th. There's also a book called Doubting Toward Faith you can get. In fact, it's part of the reading material for the course now, Bobby, before the break, we were talking about do doubts or have doubts in the past driven you to get answers? Go ahead. Pick it up. Yeah, so I, I was saying there at the end that, you know, anytime somebody kind of leaves their pre to post-driver, 
they had to doubt their pre-trip through a set of questions to embrace this new view. And so to Robbie's point, uh, you know, that there's a difference between questions and doubts, I would say uh, that is the case sometimes. Uh, but I would say that sometimes our questions do entail a level of doubt. Mm-hmm. And that doubt can be sincere, uh, but it can be skeptical. Some people want to doubt to move beyond their faith. I wanted to uh, deal with my doubts and get answers to them to go deeper into my faith. And so that's one of the suggestions, like in this course, that I would be talking to the students about as we interact together, uh, of just saying, like, let's go back to the early church. What happened there? You know, people were gathered there at Pentecost, and they heard the gospel. And they would have left, and they would have had some simple understanding about loving God, loving people, celebrating the gospel. And then, over time, the apostles' teaching would come their way, and then they would graft that in. And I would say, hey, if John the Baptist could doubt, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, or if Adam and Eve could doubt in, you know, paradise, how much more are we susceptible to doubting in paradise lost in a melting mm. pot culture of beliefs? 2,000 years removed from the story. So we should just enjoy learning, take our time. That's not to say, you know, some people, uh, they don't want a box at all. You know, there's people that, you know, they want a small box. There's others that want, uh, you know, they want to get beyond the box. Uh, There's others that say, what box? Uh, We do need to have a box, but the box is a lot bigger than I believe that we often uh, are led to believe. And Mm -hmm. we get in too tight of a box, we can become judgmental. We can become bulldogmatic, and we can become ungracious to other people who are really Christian. And so I think that we should enjoy learning inside this big box of Christianity. And so we're gracious on, you know, these macro doctrines, but we try not to splinter the church to death in the name of our pet particularities. Yes, in fact, uh, C.S. Lewis pointed out in Mere Christianity, the essentials of what most Christians who believe the Bible would believe— regardless of their denomination. I think that's what you're talking about, that big box. And Paul says in Romans 14, let's not divide over the non-essential issues. Let's have uh, some right. graciousness there. Uh, but you bring up a good point earlier. I want to re-echo what you said, Bobby, that if you, well, the pre-trib, pre-trib, post-trib thing, that's not an essential of the faith. We know Jesus comes back. Sure. How he comes back, we argue over. But the, the interesting point is, is that if you begin to doubt, say God exists, what that entails is you don't doubt that the world could exist without God, that reality. I mean, in other words, it entails positive beliefs in the other direction. If you're going to say Mm -hmm. God doesn't exist, then you're essentially saying, I have faith that this universe, that this reality could exist in the absence of a being like God. Well, those are positive beliefs. It was, it was, uh, Philip Johnson who famously said he who is a skeptic in one set of beliefs is a true believer in another set of beliefs. And when it comes to atheism, Atheists, it seems to me, most of them today, if they're claiming Christianity's fault, what that in, entails is that they have positive beliefs that materialism's true, that everything is just made of molecules and and there is no immaterial realm and everything can be explained by blind natural laws. Of course, they have no they have no explanation why laws could these such laws could exist in the absence of a lawgiver. But in any event, they have a positive belief in materialism. So, friends, if you're struggling with doubt or with doubts. Be advised that you really do have some positive beliefs you believe in. And the question is, why should you believe those things? If you're going to say Christianity isn't true, you're saying something else is true. Um, now, Bobby, when, when you've struggled with doubt, when you really stepped back away from it 
and you're going you're gonna to do this in the course, which again, friends, you can check out the course at go to crossexamine.org, click on online courses, you'll see Doubting Toward Faith. When you stepped away from your doubts, Bobby, did you, were your doubts more intellectual? Were they more emotional? Were they volitional? What were they? For me, uh, I, they were more intellectual. I know that, uh, you know, as I talk about even in my book, Doubting Toward Faith, that there are different types of doubters. The volitional doubter, uh, you know, they want to go one way, yet they sense that the Scripture says, you're to go this way, and they end up in this tension of following their own will or God's will, or there's emotional doubts, like why would a good God allow for so much suffering in the world? So somebody mm-hmm. experiencing the loss of a loved one or right. uh, a cancer diagnosis, um, there's you know evidential doubt that people can begin to struggle with, like, hey, I want the evidence. Uh, but for me, it really was uh, intellectual doubt that hammered me uh, the most. Uh, I talk about this idea of the obsessive analyzer, Frank. I believe that those who are most conditioned to experience existential angst as it relates to doubt, or Weltschmerz as it is referred to in German, this real sense of the dark night of the soul, I believe that those who are obsessive analyzers are uh, the candidates who most fit the description of those who will go through the harrowing sense of guilt. So somebody could be an analyzer, but they know how to unlock. They don't get OCD with it. Other people can be obsessive, but they don't really uh, you know, know what to analyze. But that obsessive analyzer uh, can become somebody that begins to get fixated. Like, there's a reason I'm about to get my second doctor's degree, Lord willing. It's because I took my addict personality and I threw it into my studies, and I've been you know, in full addiction mode in the study arena. And so uh, I think more people struggle with emotional doubt, but people who are philosophically inclined, people who are detail-oriented in their studies, uh, very analytical but yet obsessive, they can really be in for, uh, you know, a big hammering of doubt that can really create a lot of hopelessness in their lives. Now, how much doubt is, do you think, premised on false premises that we have? Like, for example, the the evil issue. Who hasn't doubted God over evil? I think we all have. But when it comes to Christianity, nowhere in, in Christianity is it said that if you're a Christian, you won't experience evil. Um, and so sometimes I think we have a false expectation that if we're a Christian— that evil isn't supposed to happen to us, even though it's promised to us in the scriptures. So how, how, how often do you think our doubts are built on false expectations um, for what we think Christianity should be when Christianity doesn't teach that? In fact, it teaches the opposite. Exactly. It's like the prosperity gospel teaching. It sets people uh-huh. up to be disillusioned with God because it's built on a false premise. I think with atheists, uh, they will use this whole problem of evil uh, with us as believers, and they'll say, look at all the suffering in the world. God can't be good, and he would deal with people. And so they cry out for justice, and they don't understand why God wouldn't intervene. But at the same token, I would say, listen, at least we have an intellectually satisfying answer to the problem of evil. It's not always emotionally satisfying, but the truth of the matter is, so I swap out with the atheist, and I become an atheist. Now what? Well, now I don't have any justice 
at all. At least <laughs> right. on Christianity, I have justice. It's just not at the timing that I would like it to be. Mm. Well put. Yeah, it's it's none of the timing we'd like it to be. It's been said before when it comes to Christianity, it's already but not yet. Evil has been defeated exactly. al- already, but it, it hasn't been defeated in our lives yet because we're still in this testing phase. But God has defeated evil. He's taken it upon himself. Uh, you know, uh, ju- just I, we have a bonus podcast for you folks with Andy Stanley. I know that... Uh, some of you have written me and said, oh, uh, why do you have Andy Stanley on? He's a false teacher and all this stuff. Well, you need to listen to the podcast that Andy and I just did. It's, it's up uh, on our website. It's up on our app, the Cross-Examined app. And Andy said something during this podcast. He's got a new, uh, he's got a new book called Irresistible, which I endorsed, uh, where he's talking about uh, how to bring people to Christ. Uh, but one thing he said in, in our discussion, Bobby, and I'll get your comment on this, is he said he's never witnessed somebody deconvert from Christianity who deconverted based on an essential of the faith. In other words, it's always things peripheral to Christianity that people deconvert on. Well, there's too much evil in the world. Well, Christianity never said that God would eradicate evil right now or that Christians Mm -hmm. shouldn't experience evil or it's because, well, I can't believe that God would kill the Canaanites. Well, that's not essential to Christianity or a sexuality issue, you know, well, you know, God doesn't, doesn't want us just to have free sex everywhere. So that I don't agree with that. So I'm not going to be a Christian and Christianity must be false. Have you seen that in your own uh, travels with people? They, they, they doubt based on non-essential doctrines in other words. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, thought right there. I, I think about this idea and, and I'm not sure, um, I could answer that from personal experience, but I do think it's a good point. And I do think that when it comes to doubt, we need to kind of get out of the micro, out of the weeds, and kind of go up to the macro. And so where people start getting overwhelmed with all these different uh, theories on the timing of Christ's return, I want to say, let's just step back and trust that he's coming again. Or on all these different, you know, interpretations on how old the universe is, Let's just step back and believe that Genesis 1 and 2 uh, was really put in place, not to teach us how old, uh, you know, the the universe is, uh, or the earth is for that matter, but rather to teach us that God created us in his image to steward uh, the world that we live in. And so what ends up happening is, what else should we expect? I mean, we've got 7 billion people on our planet right now. We're all trying to use our brains, or many people are anyway, and so we're going to continue to see more interpretation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, the question is, what can you do if you have doubts? And we'll talk more with my friend Bobby Conway, his new course, Doubting Toward Faith, available at crossexamine.org. Click on online courses. You'll see it there. It begins October 8th if you want to be a part of it. And uh, his book, also called Doubting Toward Faith, will help you as well. Bobby Conway, my guest. I'm Frank Turk. We're back in just two minutes. Don't touch that dial or button or wherever you are. College campuses are hostile to the Christian faith, and three out of four young people walk away from the church once they go to college. That's why we go to college campuses and present I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist in the United States and even all over the world. When we do this, We don't charge students a dime. That's why we need your financial support. In fact, over the past couple of years, we've been able to grow dramatically because of your generous support. And 100% of your donations go to ministry. 
zero percent go to building. So when you give to Cross-Examined, you'll be giving to help us go reach young people where they are. Would you consider giving today? Thank you so much, and thank you so much for what you've done already. What do you do with your doubts? No matter what you believe, what do you do with your doubts? Talking to my friend Bobby Conway, his new book, Doubting Toward Faith, and brand new online course, also called Doubting Toward Faith, available at crossexamine.org, begins October 8th. If you want to be a part of that course, particularly the premium version is the best version because you get to interact personally with Bobby, with the rest of the members in the class, at least six or seven times. These live Zoom sessions that we do where you can interact and ask questions. Uh, So a lot of people, a lot of us have personal doubts that we want to understand. We want to want to drive them down to find an answer to these doubts. Well, that's the place to do it. Uh, So check out crossexamine.org online courses and Bobby, we were talking a, a little bit about um, uh, the fact that I mentioned Andy Stanley, who said that he's never met anybody who's ever deconverted from Christianity because an essential of the faith. And you were saying that, mm. have, have you found that or not? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a, a great observation. Uh, you know, I, I would need to be careful in uh, answering that either way. I, I'm, I'm not real sure. I'd have to reflect on that a little mm-hmm. bit. But I do think that a lot of the things that people, uh, you know, uh, bite into and get stuck on are things like the new atheists and some of their vitriol right. uh, that they'll create, and people just latch onto that, and they'll walk away from it instead of just carefully reflecting on what's going on. I know for me, uh, as you mentioned, uh, even Andy Stanley, I'd love to throw a question back to you, Frank. Mm. I know that uh, he's been under some controversy over some recent statements about, hey, we need to kind of unhitch ourselves mm-hmm. from the Old Testament. I was just curious, did you get into that with him? Uh, yeah, we did a little podcast? bit. Yeah, it's, it's on the podcast that you can listen to, so I won't go into a lot of detail. But one of the problems with uh, with listening to Andy Stanley, if you just pick up a, a sermon, you know, he's preaching to unbelievers. He's not preaching to believers. And so he sounds like a skeptic half the time. But he was trained under Dr. Norman Geiser like I was. He believes the Bible's inerrant just like you and I do. Uh, but when he's talking to unbelievers, he'll say things that may sound almost heretical to Christians, but he's just trying to voice their concerns and then bring them back to the essential point of Christianity. And one of the things that he pointed out was, uh, and I agree with him on this. Look, I don't agree with everything he says. I don't, I don't even agree with everything I say, you know, (laughs) um, uh, he said, look, when, when the new Testament apostles were trying to bring new believers into Christianity, they didn't go to them and say, you have to believe the Old Testament's inerrant. They didn't even bring up the Old Testament unless they were talking to Jews. What they said is Jesus rose from the dead. Trust in Christ because he paid for your sins. And yet many of us Christians think that we're going to win people over by saying the Bible's inerrant, believe in it. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe the Bible's inerrant, but inerrancy is a conclusion for me. It's not a premise. I, I, I don't start there. I arrive there based on the evidence because Jesus believed the Bible was inerrant. He, he knew the Old Testament was inerrant and he promised the New Testament. So all Andy's saying, and this is what he points out in his book, Irresistible, he's saying that we ought to take the lead of Jesus and the apostles to talk about the essential fact of Christianity, and that is the resurrection. Because if the resurrection occurred, Christianity's true. And if Christianity's true, Jesus is God. And if Jesus is God, whatever he teaches is true. And Jesus taught the entire Old Testament as the word of God and is inerrant. That's why I believe in inerrancy, but I don't start there. 
and what he was saying when he said yeah. unhitch, he said, look, I, I, if you have another word, I'd, I'd love to have another word to use. But what he's saying is you don't have to try and get people to believe everything in the Old Testament is true to get them to become Christians. That's what he means. Does that make sense? That's uh, absolutely. And I, I do think that that's a point uh, worth chewing on. I mean, w- if we step back and we take, for example, the early church, and as I mentioned that we didn't have the first book of the New Testament until, let's say, eighty forty nine. If that's when we date Galatians. Now imagine living in the Galatian region, and now Paul would write First uh, Corinthians from Ephesus in eighty fifty five. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, now we've got you know a couple letters that are being written and some in between, right? But all that to say, when each of these letters went to their various uh, locations that were spread out. Uh, imagine like, okay, now you're in Corinth and oh, Philippians just showed up. Now, how do I read, uh, Corinthians in light of Philippians and oh, Galatians just showed up. Now, how do I oh, read? There's, yeah. And there's the gospel of Luke in light of that. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Oh, there's the gospel. Luke. So now all of a sudden, <laughs> uh-huh. all this stuff's coming together. It helps me to go, no wonder it took a while for, uh, the canonization process to take place. But here's the deal. We often are putting on new converts something that the early church wasn't expected to even believe in uh, mm. because they didn't even have these arguments. Mm. And yeah. so I think from that standpoint, getting back to loving God, loving people, celebrating the gospel, that's not to deny that we do believe in the scriptures. It's just to say sometimes we are splintering the church to death on some of these issues and we could be more compassionate. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I think that's one of the things Andy has said, which resonated with me. He said, do you, and he's right about this. He said, do you realize there were thousands of Christians before a line of the New Testament was ever written? I mean, there, there was, right? I mean, Paul was a Christian, obviously, before he wrote half of the New Testament because he, he witnessed the resurrected Jesus. And and John was a Christian before he wrote John because he witnessed the resurrected Jesus. And and Matthew and Luke, all the same thing. Well, Luke, Luke was a... a, a more of a, he wasn't an eyewitness himself, but you get the idea. He's investigated these things. And so Christianity is based on an event. It's based on the resurrection of Christ. It's not based on a book. It's based on an event. Now we wouldn't know much about the event without the book. And we wouldn't be able to, to understand all the nuances and all the theology behind the event without the book. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that it, it, it came to us progressively and, uh, the point was to try and show people the evidence that the resurrection occurred and then work backward from the resurrection to all these other doctrines. Exactly. So now let me provide kind of a pastoral insight into how this shakes out in a way that I think will be far more effective for us Mm -hmm. in reaching this future culture, this culture of doubt that we live in. So many people could hear us talking and it could create panic. Why? Because they end up getting saved, they get in the church, and they just learn all of the stuff that started happening later, and then they panic when we start bringing things up like, hey, uh, they didn't even have the canon in place (laughs) until this time. Now, there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that. Imagine if we taught new believers when they're getting disciples, see, they wouldn't panic. We're just giving them truth. Hey, let me tell you how this process went. People right. had these questions, and all these different views came into play. And now all of a sudden, we're discipling people in such a way that we're looking out into the future to protect them from 
having this major crisis of doubt, mm. like I went through because I got put in such a tight box mm. that I felt like I was doing something wrong for thinking. Right. We're talking to Bobby Conway, and his new course is called Doubting Toward Faith. Go to crossexamine.org and click on online courses. You'll see it there. And Bobby, I must say that that video you put together for this course, that intro video, that four-minute intro video about having doubts is absolutely chilly. When I watched that, I got goosebumps. I mean, man, how did you – well, just tell – I know they're going to go watch it now, but – <laughs> this, that, that seemed like an autobiography, man. That four-minute deal where you're, you're just God. Where are you? Are you even there? I mean, that's that's kind of an autobiography, isn't it? Yeah, that was my acting debut, right there, Frank. <laughs> it was good, it was, man. Uh, the actor telling his true story, and uh, that was what was going on in my soul. So, uh, if, if people watch that. Uh, they'll feel the horror of my soul at one stage in my walk with God. Well, if they be, if they're a part of the course, the online course called doubting toward faith, uh, they're going to be able to see all that. They're going to go through the material with you. They're going to get their questions answered. Give us a few of the things you're going to talk about in this course. Well, first of all, I want to be able to just help uh, the students understand our culture Let's take a look at the culture. Let's try to understand how we're no longer, you know, the, the Christian culture that we once were, uh, that it's no longer, you know, a dignified thing to be part of the church. Now it'll cost us something. And I'll talk about things like, why is there so much doubt? Well, the age of the Internet, um, you know, the, the world has moved next door, and how that has impacted our thinking, and how relativism, and how atheism, and secularism, and how these different worldviews have, have kind of played into our doubts. And I'll help them to get that framework. I'll, we'll look at a, kind of a theology of doubt in the scriptures, and we'll see that, you know, uh, many of the great saints had doubts, and I'd say probably any honest saint has had doubts at one time or another, and we'll talk about the various types of doubts. We'll talk about how to deal with the doubts that people are struggling with. They'll walk away with a more robust uh, ability to answer some of the key questions. I also think that they'll have a pastoral approach in their own individual hearts for helping others mm. uh, with their doubts, being more compassionate. And then I think finally they'll have a, a, a recipe, so to speak, for figuring out how can they um, renegotiate their faith stance with God without compromise if they're struggling with their own set of doubts. And then they can ask me, uh, you know, we've done almost a thousand videos to one minute apologist, and they can just do Q and A uh, drill sessions with me and we can just dialogue together and I'll seek to help them out. So this is going to be a safe space where people can go and express doubts that they might have. Uh, and get answers from somebody who's been there, who is an apologist, a PhD himself in this, in, in, in on these issues, uh, and they can air them out. I remember William Lane Craig saying this, and I know Bobby, you actually did a curriculum with Bill Craig uh, on uh, called On Guard. You were the one that hosted it and, and went through the entire series with him. I remember Bill saying something like, "If you have a doubt about something, get answers and drive that doubt into the ground." I mean, just read, mm -hmm. research, do about as much as you can do to cover every angle on it and see if you can discover a satisfying answer to the question. 
And I know you're going to show people mm-hmm. how to do that because I know you've done it. I've done it. Look, most apologists have doubts. That's one reason we're apologists. We want to know this stuff. We want to figure it mm-hmm. out. And so there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, what did Jesus say you can reveal to our audience when uh, a representative from John the Baptist came to him and said, hey, John the Baptist is in prison. He wants to know if you're the one. What did Jesus say to him? Well, he had a pastoral approach. He was apologist in that moment. He gave evidence that he was the Messiah. But then to calm uh, the skeptics in the crowd about John, he said, behold, I tell you, no one has been born greater of a woman than John. And I love that. He paid the greatest human compliment to somebody on the heels of their doubt. And that just means a lot. You know, I think the William Lane Craig statement, uh, there's a lot of truth in that, and I feel that. I think the thing that can be so hard is you can be collecting a lot more doubts while you're in the midst of driving the one doubt down, too. So it can become very puzzling. <laughs> That's true. In fact, let's get into that after the break, because we have somebody who wrote me. Anyone wants to write me with a question, we try and get to questions when we can. Hello at crossexamine.org. Hello at crossexamine.org. We have a a very interesting question we'll get to after the break. Uh, We're talking to Bobby Conway, his new online course, Doubting Toward Faith. Go to crossexamine.org to learn more about that. We're back in two. If you find value in the content of this podcast, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find more. Just type crossexamine or Frank Turek on the search bar. Also, visit our website where we add new videos, articles, and free resources daily. One thing about doubt we need to be aware of is that your doubt or your belief doesn't change the truth or falsity of whatever you're doubting or believing. In other words, if God exists, you believing in him Um, or doubting him doesn't put him in or out of existence. In other words, God exists whether you believe in him or not, whether you doubt him or not. In fact, sometimes when people say I have doubts that God exists, I don't want to be crass or insensitive, but I almost want to say, so (laughs) does that change whether or not God exists because you doubt he exists? I mean, you doubting him doesn't take him out of existence. You believing him doesn't put him into existence. So you shouldn't be concentrating really on your psychological state. You should be concentrating on the evidence. And that's what Jesus did when John the Baptist sent the emissary to to Jesus and said, are you the real one? Jesus said, hey, look at the signs. Look at the evidence. The evidence will tell you whether something's true or not, not your psychological state. But your psychological state can be affected by so many different things. In fact, Bobby... Uh, Conway is my guest today. His new book, Doubting Toward Faith, is now an online course, a brand new online course at crossexamine.org. And uh, Bobby, I want to ask you this question. I I got this at our email address, and I want to see how you would answer this. This gentleman wrote in and says, I have Asperger's syndrome, a form of autism, which makes social interaction difficult. I know that Christianity is true and have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Even though the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, Because of the Asperger's, I also struggle with an anxiety disorder, which has made me doubt my salvation. And by the way, I know a lot of people that doubt their salvation. Uh, Anyway, he goes on to say, how can I learn to have peace with Christ and abide in him and combat OCD thinking slash Satan's lies? Wow. Um, Well, my heart goes out to the person who pose this question. Um, I can relate to the OCD tendencies of fixating. Uh, I'm also somebody who struggles with anxiety. I've struggled with anxiety my entire life, and uh, that's 
uh, why I turned to alcohol to deal with my depression and my anxiety. And I think one of the things that can be hard for people to hear that have some of these uh, mental challenges uh, is when people in the church always moralize it. The world just wants to make everything a mental health issue, and the Mm. church wants to make everything a moral issue. Mm. Well, you know, each of our kids have 100 more mutations than we do. We're mutating to death. And so I'm so thankful to God that in a world where we're mutating to death, that he's given us science, that he's given us great psychologists, that he's even given us medication to help with some of the stuff that we struggle with. And I certainly wouldn't diagnose anybody on that, but I do think that, you know, sometimes we're just saying, you got to have faith, you got to have faith to deal with this anxiety disorder. Well, that's like telling the person who's at the optometrist, saying, look at the eye chart, dude, you got to have faith. Can't you see it? Well, there's prescription glasses. Well, there's prescription. (laughs) Yeah, or the diabetic saying, you just got to have faith. You don't need insulin. You got to have faith. No, wait, (laughs) I need insulin. Exactly. Or the person who needs to take you know, a blood pressure pill. Mm-hmm. So I feel like sometimes uh, there's, there's things that can help people, but people feel guilty because they'll feel like they're sinful or they're not trusting God enough. I do think we should uh, untuck our anxiety and say, hey, is this a result of unconfessed sin? Is this a result of not trusting God? But sometimes people genuinely go through the whole process and they're still struggling. So I would say that uh, how do you know if it's like an anxiety disorder? Well, when your emotions constantly don't correspond to reality, uh, a healthy emotional being, their emotions should correspond to reality. We should feel fear if there's something to be fearful about, anxious if there's something to be truly anxious about. A lot of times people with an anxiety disorder, they're just living constantly crawling in their skin. And so that can be so difficult. You add some OCD and an Asperger's, and I just say, man, I just hope you could find some kind of a church that can wrap their arms around you, that they could love you. Uh, you can go to a website called Joy Starts Here with uh, Dr. Wilder, who's a Christian psychologist, and he offers a lot of stuff with cognitive therapy and mm. great stuff in order to kind of help rehabilitate the way that we think. And then obviously seeing a doctor to see if there's any type of a medication that we need and just going through that process. And I think that the church in the future is going to have to figure out how to have mental health ministries and know how to speak in a way, in a way about it that people don't feel condescended upon. We're not all born with a tabula rasa, this blank slate of the brain, uh, just in the same way that some people are genetically uh, leaner. Some, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lose their hair. Some people's brains struggle more than others. And I think we just need to be much more compassionate about that in this world that we live in in particular. So you say joystartshere.com? Is it, was that the website you mentioned, Bobby? Absolutely. Three-year Thrive training that they offer mm-hmm. to take people through like these 19 major emotions. And it's mm-hmm. all about emotional sobriety, having emotional health. And uh, it can become wonderful, like learning how to be present. Uh, you know, we're often sandwiched between past emotions of regret, shame, and guilt, and future emotions of worries and fears. And it robs us of knowing how to be present with God. And so the peace that Jesus leaves with us can't really be experienced unless we can figure out how it is that we can live in the moment, to feel the ground beneath our feet. 
Well, we're talking to Bobby Conway, who obviously is not only a pastor, he's brilliant when it comes to these apologetic issues and dealing with doubt. And he's going to be the instructor at the new Doubting Toward Faith course offered. If you click on crossexamine.org and click on online courses, it'll take you over there. You can see the Doubting Toward Faith course. And if you're part of the premium version of the class, you can interact with Bobby live every week for the duration of the class uh, on live Zoom video with the rest of the class. We try and keep the class small so you'll have plenty of time to interact, but you got to sign up soon. So check it out uh, at crossexamine.org. Click on online courses and you'll see Doubting Toward Faith as well as a number of other courses there. Now, Bobby, it seems to me that this gentleman who wrote this question, he's, he's worried about his salvation, but he already knows intellectually he's saved. It seems to me, and I want your comment on this, the people who come up to me and ask me a question, gee, I don't know if I'm saved. They know all the right theology. They trust in Christ, but they, they keep, continue to waffle back and forth. They're worried they're not saved. It seems to me those are the very people who are saved, and it's the people who think that their own righteousness gets them to Christ are the ones that are sort of like the Pharisees, Christ at one point will say, away from me, I never knew you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we think of him, the prince of preachers of the 19th century. He often struggled doubting his own salvation. I remember Pastor Brian Broderson, a Calvary Chapel speaker, saying, Mm -hmm. hey, imagine going to Charles Spurgeon and saying, hey, you know, uh, Pastor, I'm really struggling to doubt my salvation. And his reply would be, yeah, you know, I often doubt my own salvation too. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, what, what a what a conundrum there. That's uh, right. We all can struggle with different things, so we have to just be mindful of that and be gracious. Why, well, you're not worried about uh, your salvation in that way, typically, uh, if you're not a believer to begin with. Now, Bobby, we just got a few minutes left, so give people a glimpse of what of what this course is about in terms of what, what do you want to say to them before this course begins, which will begin October 8th? What, what do you want to say to people, even who are not taking the course, who just, who just want a good word from a pastor on those on, or from a pastor, those who are struggling with doubts, what do you, what do you want to say to them as a pastor and an apologist and a, and a, and a, uh, someone who cares for them? What do you want to say to them? Well, we can't run from doubt. We need to there. And doubt's like a splinter in the mind. It splits the mind in two. And as James says, the double-minded man is unstable in all that he does. We either doubt toward unbelief or we doubt toward faith and trust in God. And so I believe that even if we don't feel like we're hammered by these doubts, we do the Church a good service, and we do uh, the ministry of evangelism a good service when we equip ourselves how to better handle uh, the doubts that people have. And so I think some of the outcomes in this could be that they'll have you know, a pastor apologist that's going to walk with them through this stuff and help them to understand it from a biblical stance. It's going to be something whereby they're going to be able to learn how to deal with their own doubts, help others who are doubting. It's also going to be something of a vision for the church where they can go back to their local church and sort of create a philosophy of doubt and how to help people who are struggling with doubt, creating maybe a doubters club in the church not to celebrate doubt, but to explore it so that we can grow deeper in Jesus. So I think this is going to be a really good opportunity for people to really understand the state of the culture, what the Word of God has to say about doubt, and what we can do to make a difference in this world of doubt. Well, Bobby, you're you're doing a lot of things, man. You're a pastor, you're an apologist, you're getting your PhD, you're doing the one-minute apologist, um, and you're a pastor of a very large church. How do you as, a, as someone who personally struggles with, with issues like this, how do you even get through this? I mean, you've got to be relying on the Holy Spirit to even deal with your own 
doubts and your own issues that you have to deal with on a daily basis? Yeah, well, I'm fumbling through life in all honesty, Frank. Um, I do not have it together. Somebody once asked, what do you fear most about life? And I said, without blinking, uh, outside of God, obviously, myself. Um, you know, <laughs> I've right. messed up so much in this world already. How in the world could I live here another 40 years without jacking it all up? So uh, for me, uh, at times, I've been a train wreck, Frank. I've taken way too much on, and we haven't done a lot of videos lately. I haven't been writing these books because I'm having to simplify. And that's one of the things we have to learn in life, right? Like we start mm -hmm. getting um, books written and, you know, more opportunities come. And then how do we create a no filter? How are we able to say, you know what, this is what I'm going to say yes to. And this one I'm going to say no to. I'm going to live in my lane. And at times uh, it's exploratory. But I right. have been on the verge of burnout myself. And I'm thankful for the Lord's grace to help me through it. Well, Bobby can help you get through any doubts you're having. and. Uh... Also, you, you could be doubting just because you're so burnt out on on your on your life. And Bobby's been there, and so he can help. If you want to be a part of this, check out crossexamine.org. Click on online courses, and you'll see Doubting Toward Faith over there. And if you don't do anything else, just watch that four-minute intro video, man. That thing was <laughs> that thing was chilling. And uh, it's Bobby Conway who does it, and he'll be your instructor if you want to be a part of it. Bobby, thanks for being with us today, man. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate you, bro. All right, brother. I'll see you soon. That's Bobby Conway. He's going to be the instructor, Doubting Toward Faith. And again, go to crossexamine.org, click on online courses. Hope to see you in there. It begins October 8th. And if you're listening to this after October 8th, it's still up in a basic format. You can take it there. I'm Frank Turk. See you next time. God bless. We work hard to create great content and deliver truth and valuable insights to all of our cross-examine podcast listeners. If you agree, take 30 seconds out of your busy schedule to leave us a five-star rating so more people like you can find us. Just look for the cross-examined official podcast, three words on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. We are truly grateful for your support. 